0: This is Very Bold Radio and Podcast with your host, Steve Teal, bringing encouragement through God's Word and through inspiring interviews. Go to VeryBold.com for information and updates and email Steve at VeryBold.com. And now, here's your host, Steve Teal. Today we are going to do the Simple Man Bible Study. This is for any man, woman, youth, or child. Simple or complex. Remember, I'm the simple man. Give me a burger from Chester's. I'm getting that today. Big's Longhorn Cafe is moving up the list really fast. Tin Top or Goldie's back in Oklahoma. Oh, the best burgers. And I'm a happy camper. Give me a video game from the 80s. Activision catalog especially. Pitfall. I am rocking this Pitfall shirt I love stampede but wait for it this is the game of games for me chopper command yes not ashamed to say i defeated chopper command got to the end of the game i expected some secret message of congratulations or the secret to heaven the secret to life but nope the game just finished at 999,999 just stopped kind of anticlimactic. So that's me. What's your best burger? What's your video game, 80s or otherwise? Comment, and I'll try to get to it at the end of today's Simple Man Bible Study, Rock the World Part 2. So here's the deal. We talked about nicknames in Rock the World Part 1, and we talked about all the different options Jesus had for calling out Simon as arrogant, prideful, impulsive. And on it goes. But the Son of God chose none of those things, but instead called out the greatness he could see within Simon. And Jesus named him on the spot Peter, which means rock. Simon, you are a rock. You are strong. You are a leader. And my idea is that as God is trying to reach you or reach someone that you know that you want to reach, that in most cases, Jesus starts not with the negative, not with the wrong things in most cases, but starts with the greatness. He starts with the joy. And so I also encourage you, as you may be trying to reach someone for Jesus, someone who's hard to reach, to have that same attitude. And if you're still considering Jesus, I pray that you are tuning in. If you're just considering Jesus, my encouragement in that episode that we talked about, Rock the World Part 1, and for now right here is to listen. Listen for the voice of Jesus as he calls forth greatness in you. He wants to do that. He wants to speak to you. Listen in here if Jesus is telling you something unexpected about yourself. If you're on the podcast, put it on pause and listen Listen to this. Jesus tells you, you are this. Listen. Jesus tells you, you are, and let Jesus fill in the blank. Listen. There's something that he enjoys about you that he wants to call forth. There's something he wants to tell you. Now, if you're already there and you've already felt the love of God, you're growing in it, you're doing good, you have felt that affirmation and encouragement of God, then what happens next? Well, in our case, we are experiencing Jesus through the eyes of Simon Peter, that fisherman slash entrepreneur. And so we see what happens with him next. Now, there's here's a spoiler for you. What we see is the power of Jesus. What we witness is Jesus' power working around us. Now, sometimes we miss it. Sometimes we don't realize the people around us, the things that God is doing to get our attention, to show us that he loves it, loves us. Sometimes we miss it. You may not be watching for it. So I have to tell you, watch for it. Even this morning, I'm not going to get into it now, but uh, with peanut butter bowl, I'll tell you later just the way God has responded and opened up some doors and arranged some things. And uh, my good friend, Coach Ron Ritterman, I mean, he could just see God at work, and it's just awesome. But if you're not watching for it, you may miss it. So I pray that you open your eyes to see what good God is up to. Maybe it's in your wife. Maybe it's in your child, your youth. Maybe it's in a neighbor or a boss or a coworker. Maybe somebody in your life or a teammate. When I say that it's natural for some to resist and and be skeptical about what God is doing in others' lives, just because they think God has done something good in their lives, this is what the skeptic says, why should I believe it? But if you'll give it a fair shot and put your skepticism, just put it aside a little bit, give it a chance, and ask, what if Jesus really did do a miracle in that person's life? It's very easy for us when someone says, Jesus did this for me to kind of, you know, come up with, well, did he really was or was it just a coincidence? But maybe, just maybe Jesus is at work. So I want you to just put that skepticism aside. Maybe there's a marriage that is saved, a change, a transformation, maybe a selfish, egotistical Completely independent person is changed by God. And if you look closely at their life, you see a difference. Examine it. Be honest. You knew this person as one version of themselves. You may have liked that person. You may have really liked them. You may have even liked that version of themselves because it reminded of you. And you understood that fierce independence and hard-headedness or that logic, whatever it was. Now, when you look at their life and they are not the same, how do you explain it? How do you explain that they are more patient, kinder, more joyful, more positive? Should you just dismiss that transformation? Should you chalk it up to coincidence or possibly should you just maybe entertain the idea that maybe Jesus? So, we find Simon Peter, the rock, hanging around Jesus. Now, please understand this. He doesn't yet believe that Jesus is anything but maybe an interesting teacher, possibly a prophet who speaks for God. But Simon does not yet believe Jesus is the Son of God. So, if that describes you in this stage of your life, you're not in bad company, huh? Simon is just hanging around Jesus. He's watching. He's learning. I pray and I hope. That if you don't yet know Jesus, you're at least watching and observing and listening. If you're listening here, at the very least, you're curious. But maybe you're hanging around, watching, wondering, checking this Jesus out. And you know something? Jesus wants to help you figure it out. Jesus wants you to see his power. He's not a look-at-me show-off. He's not a magician, ta-da, that's not Jesus, but... He wants to reveal who he is to you. He wants you to know his power. And he knows you so well that he knows what will help you to believe or what will help you to wrestle with on that way to believe. So go ahead, ask God. Go ahead, since you're just hanging around, just checking it out, watching to see if this Jesus thing is possibly more than just a little fantasy or fairy tale, checking it out to see Does God really do things in people's lives? You may not even want to say the word miracle because it just seems crazy, but ask. Okay, Jesus, this is what you can ask. Jesus, are you just some nice guy that makes people feel better about themselves and goes around saying, don't worry, be happy? Or are you a God that wants me to know you're really God, that you're powerful, that you're interested in my life, in every detail of my life, then I'm asking you, Jesus, if that's even a chance, reveal yourself to me, show me, and then do your part. Watch to see if God is doing things in your life. Observe others. You've been observing others already. So let's follow Simon who's hanging around Jesus. In fact, he's hanging around Jesus enough that Jesus shows up on his doorstep. They are acquaintances. They're friendly now. Jesus is at your house, Simon. And Simon, your wife is there. Are you getting a picture? There's a lot of people there. Did you know Simon Peter was married? He was. Yep. And there's more family. Andrew is there. It's a big home. Simon's wife, like I said, is there. So is her mom. And her mom is really sick. And apparently they, the infamous they, who is the they now? Is it the wife? Is it Simon Peter? Is it Andrew? Apparently whoever the they is have seen enough of Jesus to know that he's the one to ask for help. And I don't know if they had seen miracles yet or not. Have you seen Jesus heal some people physically, miraculously, or emotionally, relationally? Have you seen someone who has forgiven something so hideous and ugly, and they've said to you the only way that they could forgive was because of Jesus? You know, you should probably see someone physically healed by Jesus, like just healed. It's great. It's fantastic. We had Mike and Dana Dutson in here a couple of weeks ago. I believe God brought a lot of healing to him. And I know that he used the doctors and the nurses and the medicine. It's great that God does that. But I think God was doing more. But all that, the doctors and the nurses, we praise God for you guys every day. It's very important stuff. But it's also cool when Jesus just goes... You're healed. You're healed. That sickness, it's gone. You're healed. That headache, it's gone. That knee pain, it's gone. It's really cool when Jesus just says, you're healed. In this case, Simon's mother-in-law has a high fever, and they ask Jesus for help. So while you're hanging around Jesus, checking it out, you might try asking for help. As an experiment, as part of the process, you ask your friends for advice from time to time, right? Every once in a while, you should give this a shot. What have you got to lose? I guess you could feel silly that you asked and nothing happened. Still probably worth checking out. So here's what happens. This woman has this high fever, Peter's mother-in-law. Jesus bends over her. You ever have a high fever? I had one pretty recently, just got the chills, just laying down, just fetal position up, just miserable. That's what I imagine this woman is feeling says in Luke 4, Jesus rebuked the fever. That's interesting. Rebuked the fever. He's annoyed by this sickness. He's annoyed by this illness. He just doesn't seem to care for it. So he rebukes it. He rebukes. You ever been rebuked by a coach or by a parent? Jesus rebukes this illness, corrects it with energy. Leave fever. Just go. Just be gone. Illness be gone. This is the only time we have Jesus recorded rebuking an illness and that fever left because Jesus says, boom, gone, done, healed. And Simon is watching this and taking it in. And so are others. And so what do you think happens? They spread the word and they bring people to Simon Peter's house with all sorts of various kinds of sicknesses. And Jesus lays his hand on each one of them and heals them. Now, Simon Peter is taking it all in. It sounds like a lot of miracles. It's easy for us to think, well, shoot, if I saw 25 miracles in one night, I'd believe. But you know something? People still don't believe, even if they see 25 miracles. Somebody will, but somebody won't, because they just resist and suppress and don't want to hear it, and they just keep explaining it away. But you know something? Sometimes it just takes one Sometimes it just takes one miracle, and I believe God wants to do something to get your attention, and I pray that your eyes are open. Maybe you've missed some of your miracles. I know I've missed some of mine. So, what do you do if you're Simon Peter? Admire this, maybe. Uh, What do you do next? You think about, man, that was really cool, but I got to pay the bills. I got work to do, those bills are not paying themselves. So I got to put some fish on the table, right? Grab a lunch pail and get back to work. So Jesus does all these miracles, but there's still work to be done. So Simon Peter and his brother, Andrew, as well as another pair of brothers, James and John, are fishermen. In fact, it says that they were business partners. The best fishing was at night. So they go to work at night. Now, I don't know what your job or your career is right now or what you have going on or your sport, but I want you to think about a really... Really bad day for you. An off day. Or even part of a day. Sometimes I just have part of a day that's just awful. (laughs) A day where nothing goes right. Just, it's brutal, right? I don't know about you, but for me, uh, a bad day seems to often involve technology fails. I know, I know, this is first world problems, I get it. Computer crashes, my iPhone touchscreen hasn't been working lately, it's just decided not to. I can get so frustrated, and it it is not pretty. Or a bad sports day. Let's go back. This is Throwback Thursday. Let's go back. I remember even in sixth grade, have you heard of Salinas, California? That's where I was living with my family. My dad was stationed at Fort Ord, California. Sixth grade, Little League, before the season started, we had this practice game, but you put your uniforms on and all the teams were there, but the Little League field wasn't ready, so we're at the junior high. There's not even a pitcher's mound. I'm not making excuses. Oh, yes, I am. Uh, we've got a problem here this day. I think we called it a jamboree. It's a California thing. I was a pretty good Little League pitcher, but not that day. I could not throw a strike to save my life. Now, fortunately for me, my Little League coach was a bit of a masochist because he managed to leave me in that game batter after batter as I just watched a carousel of runners or walkers around the bases. It was terrible. So he managed to leave me in the game so I could fully endure the humiliation of utter and complete failure. Now, my dad was not my coach. You need to know that. But he was a college baseball pitcher at OU. Yes, that's a part of my Boomer Sooner pride. But that day of my epic fail. Before anyone knew what an epic fail was, after it, my dad worked with me and he helped me to understand what I was doing wrong. He got me back on track because he knew what he was talking about. I had a really good little year after that instruction, after that coaching. I made the all-star team and our team advanced pretty deep towards making that trip to Williamsport, Pennsylvania. Trust me, it wasn't because of me Uh, because I was sitting on the bench really well. I was the best at sitting on the bench. But I'm just saying it was a pretty good season. Now, another season of baseball later, I decided I was having more luck making baskets in the driveway than I was hitting a curveball, a changeup, a fastball, or truth be told, if they put a watermelon up there, I don't think I would have been able to hit it at that point. So I switched to basketball. That became my sport, and I was pretty decent too. It's scary to say that because – some people have seen me play basketball so they know I'm not that good. You ever have a bad day at basketball? I have. Can't made uh can't make a shot to save your life. I've had one or two 100 of those bad days. One of those days, while in high school, I was playing basketball at the Pentagon. Wow, that's cool. That's weird. Yes, the Pentagon, Washington, D.C. My dad was working there, and so on some Saturdays, we went up to the Pentagon to play basketball. Now, let me tell you something. My dad was a very good athlete. I'm down here, just your average athlete. My dad was a very good athlete. He was good enough to be a successful starting pitcher at Oklahoma, like I said. And when it came to basketball, well, he was quite an accomplished pitcher. Just kidding. He was actually pretty good. He was a really good athlete. He had this little shot across the middle of the lane, just real nice. But I was 15 years old. And just because I, at the Pentagon, was having a bad day missing my shots, my dad, the baseball pitcher's advice to me, to me, the basketball player, was not going over real well. Baseball, You're the expert. Basketball, that's my sport. My dad is, if you know him, the most positive, enthusiastic, incredible man in the world. Y'all think I'm enthusiastic? No, meet my dad. My dad came up with clever ways of trying to trick me into shooting better without sounding like he was correcting me. He'd say this, you know something that's always helped me, something that's always worked for me, this is what he would do, I love it. it, is putting a little more arc On the ball, just a little more arc on the ball. Well, after he gave me that helpful advice, you should have seen me shoot the ball so straight as an arrow, no trajectory whatsoever. I didn't care, I just wanted to do it my way. Now, listen, I go up to the gym these days. I get to youth pastor some incredible youth at River City in New Braunfels. I go up on some Tuesdays just to get humiliated by the 16-year-old studs in my youth group windmill dunking over my head. You think I'm kidding. Well, I'm only partially kidding. These kids are really good. It's a lot of fun. You should try it yourself. But I do to this day when my shot's not going down, I actually remember if it's off to put a little more arc on the ball. Just put that thing up there. Now, if you're having a bad day, and I do want to know, just leave a remark in the comments what a bad day for you is. You don't necessarily want to hear it from somebody, some advice, especially when it's from someone and you're thinking, this is my area of expertise. You're not helping. You can't help me, right? You ever have that day? You know what I'm saying? Well, guess what? Guess what happened to our buddy, Simon Peter? He had a no good rotten night of fishing none of his partners had a good night they caught nothing now this just isn't going to the coast and just having fun and wanting to catch some fish and if you don't maybe it's okay maybe it's not this is his job this is his profession this is not getting the sales this is not you know having the success that you want he caught nothing empty-handed all night and nothing that's tough hate to see it i'm talking about a frustrating night nothing goes right exhaustion sets in team morale is down. And there's Jesus, that carpenter slash preacher, and your shift is over and you literally just got paid nothing. And now without catching anything, you still have to clean up. That's the worst part. You're washing your nets on the shore. You just want to go home and sleep it off. And you see Jesus get in your boat as people are crowding around to hear him teach. Now Jesus is asking you, Simon, hey, Hey, could you take your boat out a little, just a little bit so I can teach? Sure you probably say if you're Simon. Not, yes, sir. Not, I was hoping you'd ask. But probably you hear yourself and say an unemotional, sure. But you know, when you say sure, you're still committed. After being exhausted and frustrated, you may not want to sit there and listen to a sermon. Maybe you do. Maybe that's you. Makes me curious when what Jesus was teaching that morning while Simon Peter waited for him to finish his third point in his poem. When Jesus puts a bow on the sermon and tells the people, you don't have to go home but you can't stay here he turns to a tired eyes half closed just get me home to bed simon peter and jesus says hey let's go out deeper let down the nets for a catch now there's two schools of thought as to peter's reply you're gonna land in one or maybe you'll come up with a third we'll know for sure when we track the fishermen down in heaven and try to get the details figured out from the source himself it's not real critical which one you choose to be honest with you but some people think that simon peter's response to jesus after he says go out deeper and let the nets down for a catch is faith and obedience some people think that and others think uh maybe not so much Maybe at best, some reluctant obedience. We know from scripture the words that Simon says, but we don't know his tone or attitude behind it. He says, master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Again, imagine the different tones you might hear. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Now, for me, this sounds like me talking to my dad. Look, I've been shooting all day. I've been putting more arc on the ball, but because you say so, that's fine. You're just tired of it. I don't know. You can tell which way I'm leaning on Simon Peter on this one. Again, it's not real critical in this case. You make the call, though. You make the call. Full on, full send, obedience, or fine, we'll do it. But you'll see. I'm the fisherman, and you should stick to carpentry and preaching. Now, what happens next is they let down the nets. And it's such a huge haul of fish, the nets begin to break. And Peter signals to the partners in the other boat to come and help. And there are so many fish, that boat starts to go under too. At that point, Simon Peter, taking it all in, falls at Jesus' knees and says, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his buddies' partners were astonished at the catch. Now again, it doesn't really matter. But I do tend to think it was reluctant obedience Sometimes I'm all in with my faith, and sometimes I'm tired. I'm exhausted. Things have not been going my way, and I'll hear inside my heart, inside my spirit, keep going, keep doing what you're doing, or keep reading my word, keep writing, keep shooting, keep fishing, keep asking for me, God, to reveal myself to you. Keep asking. Don't stop. Now, sometimes... I'm just like, Lord, you are kidding me. I just want some sleep and forget about this day or night or project or failure or meltdown and reluctant or not. If I can just power through and do what Jesus says, just get a reluctant or not or okay, fine, Jesus or obedience. If I can just get that yes out. Okay, Lord, can't wait to see what you're going to do it. I'm not usually like that. Something about it, whether it's reluctant or whether it's full on obedience, something about it will be good. If he tells you to do something and you're in this experiment and you hear him just do it, something about it is going to be good. Jesus wants to tell you something to do. And I don't know what it is for you today about letting the nets out. I don't know what it is. You've got to listen. You've got to hear him throughout the day. It may not be right now. It might be as you're going about work or as you're going about family time that you hear something and you're going to be, whoa, well, I better try that. Or maybe you'll have reluctant obedience. Maybe today it's going to be, trust me, maybe you're going to hear that. Maybe you're going to hear, stay calm. Maybe you're going to hear, don't be afraid, only believe. Don't be afraid, only believe. Maybe it's forgive. Maybe it's, bless. Maybe it's give or maybe it's just don't give up. Keep seeking the truth. But Jesus wants to say something. So be ready to say yes, because Jesus wants you to experience something about him that will blow you away, will shock you, will surprise you, astound you, his power, his presence. He wants to give that to you. There's something about it. And yes, out of that, Jesus said some famous words to a shocked and suddenly deeply aware of his own inadequacies aware in the light of who Jesus is. He's aware, Simon is, of his own sinfulness and pride. And here again, Jesus could have pounced on it, could have said, finally, Simon Peter, you realize I am something better than you. Now you finally get it that you are a sinner. He could have done that. He could have said, let's talk about this. No, even in this, Jesus is building Simon Peter up. He says, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. You'll be bringing people to me, Simon. You'll be catching people for me. And in that moment, that power moment, they left their businesses behind and followed him. So listen, watch, observe. Jesus wants to speak to you. Jesus wants to show you his power, his miracle. He is ready, so be watching. So whatever you're doing today, as you're asking and seeking him, I want to pray that you will be very bold.